The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, We are deep into the playoffs. The second round is absolutely taking shape before our eyes. And there has been some interesting happenings um, that are both good hockey play and not so good hockey play uh, since the last time we talked. Where do you want to start this week? Ah, goodness. There's so many choices. We could start with the big story. Oh, we could save that for... The big story, um, Brian Boyle? Brian Boyle. Yeah, we could start with that. That, hap- that I mean, I saw that this morning. Apparently, the uh, United States uh, played in the bronze medal game against Germany in the IIHF, champ- IIHF championships, and they won 6-1. to one. So there's updated news happening just before the show. Absolutely. Um, I had no idea that a one Brian Boyle being uh, 36 years old actually played for this team and not and not only did I not realize that I also didn't realize that it's the first time he's ever played for the IHF World Championship team for the United States um I hadn't realized it either um um I I hadn't realized it either and I wonder if he's not played in the NHL in the past season-ish uh, for reasons of health, given his previous health concerns, or other reasons. And if this is potentially the first step uh, on the road to a comeback. Uh, I, a comeback? When was the last time he played? I thought he, just, I thought he was still playing, or recently finished his career in the NHL um I have here that he that Mr. Brian Boyle age 36 uh for a 20 uh oh wow part of that 2003 draft class um most recently played in the 1920 uh season so it's been effectively two seasons that he's not played because he didn't play in uh no one, no, he didn't play this season. He this played season. thirty. He played thirty-nine games in a pause-shortened season. Yeah, and in those thirty-nine games, had fifteen points, seventeen penalty minutes, and then he actually played four play, four playoff games and got a, got himself a goal. Wow. Okay, I'm. I'm Clearly, I, maybe he is looking to get himself back into the NHL somewhere. Uh, I mean, as a as a fourth liner, um, I think that he can probably get back into the league in a number of places. Um, as a third liner or higher, I don't know. I mean, just his raw faceoff prowess is going to save teams a whole lot of time in their uh, defensive zone. Um, so I can see one or two teams just looking for that, uh, looking for that type of guy. Um, well, I he was captain. I mean, he was captain of the team, so I'm guessing that he ha- he would also have a voice in the locker room as far as um, you can't play 800 games uh, in the regular season in the NHL 
118 in the postseason. And did am I am I? Let's see. No, he 13, 14, and 14, 15. He played 25 games in each of those postseasons. Unfortunately, would he would have he came up short, but going all the way to the cup final, uh, I believe it was two years in a row, uh, once with the Rangers and once with the lightning. That's, that's something that you can't, it's not as good as winning a cup, but that's still a level of experience. Uh, that, that far, not many people that, have getting that far along in the playoffs itself is, is just, I mean, that, that, that institutional memory, that it, the, and he played all 82 games in those regular seasons. So he knows how to prepare himself and pace himself. I mean, if there's, uh, I could see him going to, depending on what sort of franchise they decide to build out in Seattle, he might be a good choice to come in as a sure thing leader. If you're not a hundred percent sure what the rest of your locker room is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, he, see, he to me, he strikes me uh, as a Vegas guy. Like, Vegas is, seems they're, like they're exactly the type of team that should rally around this guy. Um, he's probably not as fast as most of that team prefers to be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how he would fit in with that squad. It, it is a... Uh, it is an up-tempo team, at least on the top two lines. Um between Carlson and and Marcheseau and and I mean Smith I'm guessing Riley Smith is probably the slowest of the three on that one. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> and the sad, uh, well, it's not sad, but he actually has improved his foot speed a little bit since he was in Boston. Oh yeah. Um but playing with those playing with those two guys, he has improved his his game all around has improved. I mean, he's always been a good he's always been a good two-way player. But now that he's a little bit quicker off the mark, he's getting to places at or or before the exact moment needed. Um, he was uh, <clears throat> a little laggy when he was here in Boston playing with Bergeron and Marchand. Agreed. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, uh, quick information, um, Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars was named the player of the game for the United States in the tournament, they pick a player of the game from each team. Correct. And Moritz Muller was the player of the game for Germany. However, if I were to tell you, A, that Brian Boyle is from Hingham, Mass., you would know that. Yep. Would you care to guess which state, and I know that I've I, – I may have brought this up before. I don't remember. But would you care to guess which state had the most players – on the United States team, there were 11 states represented on this squad. Well, the safe answer is always an M state, but yes, it is. Um, given the given the push that the given the impact that St. Louis area hockey has had, uh, if this were a younger tournament, I would definitely be talking about Missouri, but uh, I. It almost has to be either like Michigan or or Michigan, Minnesota, or Massachusetts. And yes, they actually two of those three were actually the highest represented. Massachusetts had seven players 
of the 23-man squad. Yes, seven players of the 23-man squad were from Massachusetts. Second place was Michigan with four players represented. So over half of the roster is from two M states. Close to half, 11 out of 23, so you're slightly under 50%. But, yeah, the two biggest M states for hockey, and, and Minnesota would certainly be up there as well. There were, a few, there were a couple from Minnesota. Third place was California with three players. Which, <clears throat> which tells you how far hockey has come just in the past decade and a half. The three I mean, of those 20 are from California? Yeah. Is it is it more surprising the three from California or the seven from Massachusetts? Um, honestly, the seven from Massachusetts, because there were a few lean years for hockey in Massachusetts. And given how much smaller the population is here than there, um, I was I was a little surprised to hear that it actually was seven. Uh, but the last I mean, from probably a year before the Bruins Cup uh, till I guess it's still going on. It's been really good to be in Massachusetts for hockey. Uh, not only do you have the Boston Pride uh, winning championships, you have uh, you had uh, the Hockey East teams uh, right at the top and fighting for championships and winning championships. Uh, most recently, it's been UMass, but <clears throat> you had that long BCBU war, <clears throat> and it's probably never going to end because uh, you know one of them is not from Boston and the other one's a safety school. Um, <laughs> safety school, huh? Yeah. Um, Alrighty then. But. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons to be into or there's a lot of ways to get your hockey fix in Massachusetts. There are ECHL teams. There's uh, there's AHL teams. There's college teams literally from border to border. Um, there's a women's team uh, and, of course, high school teams and lower lower level teams. Uh, if you can't get hockey where you live, um you're probably not actually in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I, between the, between the fact that there are kids coming out of here and the way college hockey is represented nationally here in Massachusetts. I mean, obviously we got the national champions this season in UMass, but in the past BU, BC, uh, Northeastern contending for it. It, it, Obviously, we got the Beanpot Tournament here. Hockey East in general, but just just the schools in the state of Massachusetts alone, the the hockey representation. If you want to get to the next level, this is one of the places to be. Whether you're from here or whether you come to school here, this is clearly a place where you're going to be seen. Oh, absolutely. And as it happens, uh, Hockey East is the most represented conference in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, which really? surprises neither one of us even a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I was that info, but that's pretty good. I was cruising uh, 
hockey. I was actually cruising the hockey's website looking for uh, looking to see if they'd released the schedule for this year. They haven't, which <laughs> made me very, very sad. The uh, most but, represented conference in the country in the play in the NHL playoffs. Eleven, uh, eleven members are represented across both players and front offices. Um, uh, the article is dated uh, May seventeenth. Um, it's right up on the Hockey East website. You ought to be able to find it. Um, from from the Boston Bruins, there are five players: Coyle, wow. Grizzlick, McAvoy, Kevin Miller. And Jeremy Swayman, um, and that's B-U-B-U-B-U, Vermont and Maine. Um, Their front office has several, uh, Providence, two BUs, a New Hampshire, a Maine, a Lowell, and a Providence. Uh, I think think they're pretty well covered. The Hurricanes, uh, Warren Fogle from New Hampshire, Brett Pesci from New Hampshire, uh, and yes, there was some overlap, so they got to play together before they played together. Um, the Avs have actually have, have five players: uh, Dennis Gilbert, uh, Gilbert uh, Notre Dame. Some kid, although named they McCarr. were only temporarily Hockey East, but yeah, some kid named Makar, Alex Newhook from Boston College, Boston College, yeah, Dan Renuff, uh from Maine. And then TJ Tanan uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, the Oilers are out, so they don't matter. Uh, Minnesota and Florida are out. The Canadians, Jake Evans, uh, who yep. we'll talk about more in a bit. Um, oh, yeah. Nashville had four. Um, really? Yeah, two from Northeastern, Benning and Davies. That's right, Benning is there. That's right. And then Ference and Fabro from U- BU. Uh, the Islanders, who are still relevant, uh, Kiefer Bellows, BU, Corey Schneider, uh, that one's semi-relevant. Uh, uh, Schneider, is he taxi Boston squatted? College, yeah. And then Oliver Wallstrom, uh, Penguins are out, but they actually have nine hockey, uh, college players, and you should go check the article. Lightning, I, only, Lightning, Lightning only, only have one. one. Ross Colton. Uh, The Golden Knights, just two. Patrick Brown from BC and Alex Tuck, also from BC. BC, yeah. Uh, I can tell you the first one, didn't know the second one, because I think he's taxi school. Uh, And the Jets. uh, The Jets, that one is obvious to anyone who's paid attention to hockey East in the last 10 years. The one, the only, Connor Hellebuck. Yes, UMass Lowell. It's just amazing, though. You can go around. You go around to all of the teams, and you can find uh, an abundance of, of hockey East players. So it's I, we we've referred to it as the pre NHL uh, for several years, and I I really can't find a way to not believe that. Well, it was what a few years ago when Ottinger was at BU and and Thatcher Demko was at BC and and. John Wall was actually backing up in BC, and uh, the the all four goaltenders in the Bean Pot that one year were all NHL prospects. All it had all been drafted yes. into the NHL. <laughs> all four. 
Um, let's let's jump to talking about uh, some of the on ice uh, mutual admiration last night. Mutual admiration. That's a good way to put it. it yes. Was... Uh, Matthew Barzal. Uh huh. And David Krejci. Well, they're 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 obviously friends. They're going to be exchanging Christmas cards, and I I suspect that they're going to get matching tattoos, like or they may they probably actually went out immediately after the game to do it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, when you go and look at, <clears throat> I don't know how they're going to get those tattoos around all of the bruises over David Krejci's kidneys. Um, well, but, there were there were there were one, two, maybe three, four cross checks in that corner, and yeah, what, I think what Krejci was either did. a slash or a spear that probably connected. Because uh, I I did retweet someone's picture showing the stick not in contact with Matthew Barzal, who um. I believe Krejci referred to as having gone down real easy. Um, it appeared that he went down relatively easy if you were watching the game and then the multiple replays. And and he stayed down there quite, quite a lengthy bit of time for someone, you know, wearing an athletic supporter and being theoretically speared or slashed by David Krejci because as amazing a passer as David Krejci is, there is probably not a guy less athletic on both rosters. (laughs) We had this discussion pre-show and I I thought I came up with one, but no, (laughs) I would like it legitimately would not surprise me if a third of the coaches could beat David Krejci in a push-up contest. And I, and I think all of the coaches are at least 15 years older than he is. I just, it, it, first of all, I don't know (laughs) if it's his style or not. I mean, he's, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a, a, he's not a a violent kind of guy. I mean, yes, he hits sort of. Krejci, yeah. I don't think that it's his style. And, when you get cross-checked three, four times in a row and he had turned around once and either said something to him or, or shoved him away or something because he was getting fed up with it. Oh yeah. Before he turned around and just whacked him. I thought it was telling that the referees hit him with the major and immediately reduced it to a different penalty. Well, the thing is they, they hit him with the major because I'm, I'm going to guess because of the reaction that bars all paid made on the ice. But the other thing with hitting him with a major is that they can review it and call it back, whereas you can't review it and make it worse. If I'm miss, I I don't know. It's it's a weird replay. I don't know how they do it, but right. Well, they immediately called it back from a five to a two. Okay, so they didn't call it back to a double minor. They called it back to two minutes. They called as they should have. Uh, because let's face it, Krejci's stick doesn't bend. It doesn't break. There's no physical movement from Evans until after the True. contact or non-contact. Or we, haven't to, we haven't got to Evans yet. We- uh, after the contact or non-contact, uh, whichever it is you are going to insist on. Um, and 
even if David Krejci did do that, did hit him in a <clears throat> sensitive area, um, as I put it on Twitter last night, um, uh, kidneys are a whole lot easier to damage and a lot less recoverable than uh, kid makers. So, yeah. I don't know, just watching it, and, and, and my thought watching it is that I also think it's telling that there was no funk, there was no announcement from the Office of Player Safety that Krejci was going to be getting a phone call or something. I mean, no. Yeah, we're, it, I mean, we're now 12 hours past the game, more than 12 hours past the game. There should have been an announcement from the Department of Players, whatever it is. Yes. Um, or, and that should be one way or another. I mean, you can, the, I, I, I just, I, I think, nothing. I, I genuinely think that if player safety actually took a look at that really, really closely, that there is likely to be making a, call to Barzal as they are to Krejci. Because if that's so. as embellished as the tweet that I uh, passed along last night implies, that was a flat-out dive and fraud. And that is, Mar- and that is Barzal's credibility roaring down the street. Yeah. Embellishment is just... Uh, it- we talk about every time that some they finally do call it, and it's like, well, if it's an embellishment, then how can there be a, a if it's a, a yeah if but usually it's with something like a trip where there's at least some contact, even if the contact couldn't possibly have caused you to fall down. Yes, or a high stick. Uh, oh, like I was watching the Tampa game, uh, Tampa and Carolina game last night. Mm-hmm. And legitimately, a stick grazed Kucherov's visor, and you would think the man had been decapitated on the ice. Okay, that's just too I like mean, he legitimately acted like someone Chara's size and it at the peak of his gave uh, strength gave him a two-hander across the throat. Like <laughs> I wanted to vomit. <laughs> And, you know, it makes it really hard to root for that team. As much as I like Stamkos and Hedman and uh, McDonough uh, and a couple of the other guys on that roster, stuff like that, it's just so classless. Well, the coach makes it difficult for me to root for that team or take them, or take them <laughs> seriously anyway. That's a whole other story. But, <laughs> I mean, the other thing about this series and it's come it's come back to bite other players in the past. Mm-hmm. There is not a single player on either roster who has stirred the pot more than Barzal. It's not Clifton throwing enormous outsized hits. It's not Marchand licking people. Uh, it's not. <laughs> he hasn't licked anybody in what two years? Come on now. I think so. But um, it's not even, you know, it's not even face washes from 
the identity line and stuff like that. Uh, it's been Barzal, Barzal, Barzal. And last I mean, night, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Clutterbuck, you could throw Clutterbuck into that, but he's on the third or fourth line. That That's yeah. kind of his job. You know, he's a hitter, he's physical, he gets, he, he, he mucks it up, you know. That's kind of what he does. And yes, he's the one that took out Carlo and he's been all apologetic about it. And to be honest, if you watch the hit, I don't think that he was actually trying to injure Carlo. He didn't. I do not think so either. Right. And he's shown he's shown remorse. He's come out and said that, you know, he plays, you know, he plays the game physical. That's what he does. He does. He doesn't want to see anybody getting hurt. He wishes Carlo the best. He apologizes. You know. it, that's what he does. Barzal, it's not his role to be doing that, but yet he's just. I don't know if he's just angry or if he has decided that they're winning and he's if he has to tick off the other team uh, so much that they're off their game, that that's what he's going to do. I don't know, but it's. It's been interesting to watch because I've never seen this level of uh, agitation from Barzal. Um, what next? He's yeah. The I mean, talking about the talking about Barzal and Krejci, talking about Carlo. Do we hit the seven pound seven hundred pound elephant in the room? Yes, because I believe we have some slightly different opinions on the Shifley um, Evans situation. Oh, but those who haven't heard, Mark Shifley of the for those who haven't heard, um, please flip over the rock, crawl out, (laughs) take a few deep breaths, and then hit play again. And then watch the YouTube videos of Mark Shifley. Racing 200 feet down the ice to, to do s- something that was completely ineffective. Well, it to to do what if you listen to him, he was just trying to prevent them from scoring. But he takes out Jake Evans. Jake Evans is a third, fourth line guy for the Montreal Canadiens uh, rookie, 20, 25, 24 year old rookie. I think he just had a birthday, so I think he just turned 25. Yeah. In fact, that was his night, was his birthday. That was his birthday. Happy birthday, Jake Evans, Mark. Happy Hyden birthday, said. go to the hospital. Actually, he did not go to the hospital, according to reports. He stayed in the training room, and they took care of him there. He never actually went to the hospital, according to the reports. But uh, Interesting. Yeah, I thought so, too. Uh, the hit basically knocked Jake Evans out. He was unconscious before hitting the ice. He, he was unable to prevent himself from whacking his head on the ice. His arms were limp. He was out. And everybody was up in arms. You look at Shifley. Now, I want to throw out uh, some... Uh, used to say props, but I want to... some. Uh, Good uh, commentary on Nikolai Ehlers, who 
basically prevented everybody from getting anywhere near. I mean, he was holding back like a pile of five players at that point. And and the linesman with his arm up in the air. And then there's Nikolai Ehlers holding them off, this band of players who are trying to get it, Mark Shifley, just to give Jake Evans the room that he needs and give the trainers the room that they need to work with him. And Mark Shifley has never been suspended by the league. He's never gotten the phone calls. He's in he's for all intents and purposes, a quote unquote clean player. He hasn't done anything like this to anybody. What bothered me about it is that clearly he's going in to hit Jake Evans. If you listen to his interview or press conference where he tries to explain what he was doing, he says that he was going in trying to prevent him from scoring. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't leave his feet. He doesn't. He 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 doesn't extend his arms. He does. He's he's actually crouching, uh, getting himself ready for the contact. Yep. If you watch the video, he leaves his feet. He never once attempts his to stop feet the come puck off the ice after the hit, which is normal. Period. Well. If you're not targeting the head, which is down because he comes around the side of the net. He's looking at the puck, shooting it into the net. So you don't think he should have gotten a four-game suspension? Okay. As as I pointed out on Twitter, what Mark Shively did was... Egregious. Stupid. It was... Mm, if not reckless, it was absolutely useless because it didn't actually prevent the goal and it put his, it had put his team into a even worse position. Um, but the actual physics, physical contact of the hit. He levels Jake Evans. I don't he mean. levels Jake Evans, but you know, there's no, it's not like he's elbowing him. He's not throwing his shoulder directly into the guy's head. It's a clean hit through the body. It's not a clean hit. <laughs> he makes contact is, with the head. That's how he knocks him out. Still not the primary point of contact. But it doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. Because if you go down the road of every hit that causes an injury is a bad hit, you're going to need rosters of like 29 players to make it through a single month, much, much, much less a whole but season. I just said every hit Stop. is not a bad hit. Stop. What, however, the fact that it's a charge makes the force of it, it magnifies the force of it. Even NHL players, even the most gifted skaters in the NHL, can't get the raw physical force going in three or four steps that they can in 20 or 30 that it takes them to get you know, half the length of the ice, full length of the ice. Are there other issues involved here? Yes, there are. I 120% firmly believe, as they tell you in any combat sport or any other contact sport, protect yourself at all times. Jake Evans is not even looking at Mark Shifley. No, he's looking at scoring the goal. He's... Had he paid any attention whatsoever and braced himself 
to a player who's coming from 200 feet away. He wasn't 200 feet away by the time he got Evans came back around halfway around the net. He was like 10 feet away. And if you if you're not paying enough attention to hear someone 10 feet away from you, it, it, bad things are going to happen. It, 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 I, we we teach children at like age four or even younger, don't cross the street if you're not looking until you've until after you've looked. He crossed the street. Driver's fault for hitting him because Shifley did a stupid thing. Now, do I think he should have been suspended for charging someone from yeah, 200 feet away? Absolutely. It's 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 legit. Four playoff games for a first offense when guys who have gotten seven or who have done this stuff seven or eight times are only getting eight games for their fifth or sixth offense for clear headshots, intentional multiple headshots in their career, like Tom Wilson and others we could name. Do I think that that's an equitable penalty? No, it should have been two games. He he has no he has no history. I think four regular season games would have been a lot. Four postseason games? No, just no. Uh, this is an overreaction, which is purely expected from the bag of crap that is the NHL Department of Player Safety. They're wildly inconsistent, and they make it impossible for the players to understand what level of infraction they're potentially committing and what to expect if it happens. He makes no attempt to stop the puck from going in the net, which, by the I way, he claims is what he was doing. But it's I know that. I, I just said what he did was stupid. I just said what he did deserved, a, deserved to be uh, suspended for. He clearly charged him. We can make... We can argue about whether there was an intent to injure there or not, but he was not making a useful hockey play. He was he was frustrated all game long. He was in a and it's an emotional it's an emotional sport. It's an emotional game. That's why there's still fighting in the game. And no matter how hard they try to eliminate it, it's never going to happen. Because even when we saw Corey Perry accidentally knee John Tavares in the head, Nick Foligno still dropped the gloves with him, and Corey Perry did it just to get it out of the way, because Corey Perry, eh, not really a fighter. So, yes, and it, I mean, it's Foligno an emotional, isn't actually a good fighter. <laughs> it's an it's emotional, an emotional game. game, but here's the thing. He's, the Jets were already down at that point. They you know, still needed to score a goal either way. To just to tie the game, they, it, it was it was four to three. That's correct. When he scored, they were losing. There was less than a minute to play. There's no need for him to do that. He can pull up. He I go, just he can, said that. But that's said, why he got four games. No, he got four games because player safety overreacted. And there's an appeal process which he could certainly go through if he felt that it, it's too much. There, 
tell me the last time a player got four games in the playoffs for a first defense. Go ahead. I'll wait. I'd have to look it up. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't think it's ever first, happened. For a first defense, probably hasn't happened. Yes. Yeah. And there, and that's my point. You cannot convince people to take you seriously if you don't behave rationally. The pl- Department of Player Safety has days to react, dozens of people to rationally analyze and choose and make decisions, and they still fill their pants doing stuff like this. Okay. And what I, else do we want to talk about today? Uh, well, no, I just uh, – I'm just stuck on the fact that this is – because you watch the video and the press conference that Shikley had held afterward, and I think this is where I – where more, more of my animosity comes from is the fact that in that press conference, he never apologizes to Jake Evans. He it, hasn't talked to It's not Jake his Evans. job to apologize through the media. Fine. If he wants don't to apologize. apologize. No, no, no. If he wants to apologize to the player, he should apologize to the player. But he hasn't not done to that. The media. How do you know? Because he's, he he said that he hasn't talked. He talked to a couple of the teammates to make to find out how he was doing. So in in the in the inter, in the press conference, and I put the I put the, the video up in the show. After the game. After he got after he got suspended. So now it's been a couple of days, and he still hasn't talked to him. It was okay. after he was he was reacting to the four game suspension and all he did was play the victim. And he said that he okay. talked to a couple of the something teammates. wrong has been done to him. He's not playing the victim. He actually is a victim. Is he the biggest victim? No, because he did something stupid. He did something stupid in the heat of the moment. Player safety had days to think about it. The comments that he made, uh, I mean. Lines like he just wants to be he just wants to have an impact on the game. Uh huh. He had an impact. All right. Wait, the, you're you're now criticizing the way that hockey players and athletes in general speak. Please. Ninety five percent of these guys have trouble ordering at a drive through. We're not we're not nominating them to be speech writers at any level. If the guy got seven games, I would have been I would have been crying. Okay. That, that was too much again. How many first defenders have gotten even four or second defense? It's what he did with his first. No, it is. It is. It is. The penalties are supposed to build for what you've done. He has done nothing previously. That's that's the way that, you know. Rational and graduated based on your actions, penalty systems and penalization systems work. The NHL apparently doesn't have one. I mean, they might as well just pull I'm numbers not saying, from the hat. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm happy with the, the opposite of player no, safety. They've not. made some egregious mistakes they're in the just past. Pulling, at this point, they're legitimately pulling numbers from a hat. I mean, this is the uh, – there's that old joke about uh, about uh, teachers who grade by throwing a, the, a stack of papers up a flight of stairs – and assigning the highest grades to the one that hit the highest and lowest grades to the one that lands on the floor. I've actually never heard that, but okay. <laughs> and, and this is this is apparently what they're doing. So they're punishing based on who gets the highest they're, pun- 
they're punishing based apparently they're punishing based on the size of the market of the player that gets hurt and Montreal as an original six team who has a fanatical market just saying yes. just saying I don't know there was might be ratings comments. related I mean there were some stupid comments made by players and by coaches uh uh Paul Maurice is of course going to defend his player I get it um, Edmondson for the Canadians making the statement that if he comes back, we're going to make his life miserable. Probably not the smartest thing to say in the media. <laughs> and again, not nominating most at most professional athletes to be speechwriters. I agree. I still th- I, I still don't have an issue with the suspension. It's too many games, period. It should have been two. One would be one would be. I would be I would be equally offended at a one game suspension or a no game suspension as I am at four. Four is too many in the playoffs. Four is too many for a first offense where the guy is not egregiously injured. If Evans never left the building to go to the hospital and the Office of Player Safety knows this. As far as I as far as what I've read, he did not leave the building to go to the hospital. There you have it. That does it. Oh, oh, okay. So because he didn't go to the hospital, it's not that bad of an injury. So he's fine. Yeah. Okay. So no, it, that doesn't make it less egregious. Oh, wait. Just because so he you're didn't saying go that, to the hospital. So you're saying that ne- that not needing medical attention uh, and needing medical attention. I'm not saying he didn't get medical attention. I'm saying he didn't go to the hospital. Oh, so you're saying that the arena has equal. Uh, equal medical facilities to an actual hospital. Is that what you're saying? I don't know if they have MRI machines in the building. I know I'm pretty sure they all have x-ray machines in the building because they talk about players going, getting x-rays, coming back negative. So they must be doing it right there in the building unless they magically took pictures with their phones and sent them off to some lab. But I, I'm not saying that the stadium is the equivalent of a hospital. What I'm saying so you're is saying that, that they you're, reported. So, so no, no. So what you're saying hospital. is that there's a higher level of care at the hospital, and that by not I, going to the hospital, either he's not that badly injured, or, or he and he the team are being negligent, and, or he received medical attention at the stadium because they didn't feel like transport transporting him straight to the hospital was necessary at the time, because. That's the comment, is that he didn't go to the hospital. They didn't say anything about not receiving medical treatment. They didn't say he get up and walked home under his own power. All they said was he didn't get transported to the hospital that night. So what you're saying is so that what I'm that saying is you're reading way too much into the statement that he didn't get transported to the hospital. No, I'm not, because they transport yeah, guys to the hospital on a regular basis. When they Carlo went to the hospital, basis. did they give Wilson any kind of suspension? Again, Wilson, that whole thing. I'm not yeah, even going to touch went, that. But went to the hot, but went to the hospital, and not the reaction that you would expect. So going to the hospital clearly isn't a isn't a guideline or barometer for how many suspend how many games a player should be suspended. I didn't say it was a barometer for how oh, many, okay. for how many games it should be suspended. But you did. I said it was no. I said it was a barometer for how badly injured someone is. But it's there's not. a different thing. So you're telling me that someone who breaks like their leg and has a bone sticking 
uh, out uh, out of their skin, but doesn't go to the hospital because they decide to set it uh, at the arena is just not. okay. And that, that's not a serious injury. It is a serious injury. But I didn't you're saying say it wasn't. But I you're didn't saying, say no, you're, you're saying, saying that Jake Evans injury wasn't serious because he didn't go to the hospital. Yes, I am. That's what you're saying. I said it wasn't egregiously serious. There's uh, words have meaning before he hit the ice and he's not egregiously injured. OK, we've seen players break their fingers and reset them on the bench and get back into the game. That's dislocated, not broken. Uh, no, we've seen both. We saw Chuck Kobasu break a leg and then play the rest of the game. I've seen Greg Campbell break a leg and finish a shift shorthanded. Yes. That so was, that was a hero moment right there for Boston. And guess what he did after the game? He went to the she, hospital. I don't know. He went to the hospital. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. But then again, he kept playing on a broken leg. But he, yeah, it's he had a, a good serious idea injury. Serious. And but went he to the did, hospital but he for kept care. Playing, so obviously it wasn't that serious. Oh, right. Because, again, a that's broken your leg argument is, is that Jake Evans didn't know the hospital. So it wasn't serious. It wasn't egregiously, egregiously serious. serious. Words have meaning. Campbell stop, went to the hospital. Stop deleting words because you don't Campbell like the, the fact that it's making that your argument serious. look as pathetic as the suspension. The suspension is not pathetic. It was earned. I'm sorry. First, first violation. You want no, to reduce it to not. games? That's fine, but we're not going below no, three. No, it's not. It, it should it should only have been two, and the fact that it's any more is utterly bonkers. It okay. tells you that the Office of Player Safety isn't and should not isn't serious and shouldn't be taken serious. That said, update from Ducharme via multiple sources is that Jake Evans uh, is feeling better. Uh, but there is no time. Ta- uh, there is no timeline uh, on words on have when meaning. It says a little bit better. Hey, not better. I was paraphrasing. A bit better. Oh, okay. But you have an actual quote, so paraphrasing is not required here. Well, I knew you were going to start talking over me the soon as soon as I started saying anything. So there you go. All right. So, yes, he's doing a little bit better. Where are we going to from here? Uh, SI, uh, the hockey news, had an interesting story up uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Lilo Richardson, who is one of the uh, one of the foremost names in hockey, uh, hockey pros, um, points out that the Nashville Predators could try and move uh, a couple of their centers. Um, I'm not necessarily hugely surprised by this because it's time for a reset on that team. Um, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson are the centerpiece of uh, are the centerpiece of the article. And while I think that one of them would be one of them is really useful and the other one is um, Master Shane. Yeah. Um, (laughs) On this, we agree. (laughs) I 
Okay, I think Matt Duchesne is really useful in the regular season. I have seen no signs of him ever being useful in the playoffs. Uh, he just doesn't seem to be that guy. It, it, him and Paul Stasny, I think, are the same player. Neither one of them. I think Duchesne, I think Stasny's a better center. And neither one of them is is at all interested in doing anything that's going to impact their paycheck. They sign their big contracts and they're going to ride the, and they're going to ride that thing till the wheels fall off. I I read this article and I think I agree with the first part of it as opposed to the second, because I think that, as they both, as neither one of them has any kind of movement protections. Yep. No movement protections. I think if you find a way to get the Kraken to take one of them in the expansion draft. And, and it says here that they'd have to make some kind of deal ahead of, you know, like if you take our guy, we'll give you, you know, a draft pick or something. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can do anything with sal- do anything salary wise prior to because you're not it's not a flat out trade you're not trading them to the Kraken or you can or they can wait until after the expansion draft and then make a deal of sorts and and actually eat some of the salary because that's what it's going to take they're going to have to eat some salary I mean in the flat cap era but the Kraken are going to need some big contracts because they have to get to the cap floor oh. Yes, yes, they are. Um, and I think either one of these salaries would would qualify. Uh, the question is, which one can they get more for on the on the open market? I think um, I think in an open trade market, you'd get more for Johan. You're not going to get much for either of them because of their salary. You're going to have to include something else in the deal, like it says in the article. They're going to have to package it. They're going to have to package them with something in order to entice another team to take them because it's a flat salary cap and their salaries are bloated. To uh, say the I, least. I mean, looking at the looking at the two of them in their last three years of uh, playoffs, playoff production in 16 games, Ryan Johansson has 11 points, so 0. 0.69. Uh, mm-hmm. points per game, uh, 1913 time on ice and 54.4 face off win percentage. Yeah. And Matt that, Duchesne, Matt not. Duchesne's actually got a healthy, uh, face off win percentage at 62%. I'd want to look deeper at, in the playoffs for those three seasons, but he's only played 10 of the games. Um, and he's at half a point per game, which is a tiny bit low for, um, I, I just I think that Johansson would. I think if you're trying to entice another team to take one of those two players in a deal, you're still going to have to include something, but you're more likely to get something of value back with Johansson in the deal than you are with Duchesne. You, uh, you Duchesne, have the last chance. couple of years, I just get the impression that he's just skating to put in the work. He's skating to stay in the roster and not be bought out. Like that's 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 really what I feel. Um, Johansson is a right wing slash or center slash right wing 
28 years old. Both these guys are making 8 million. So they're taking up 9.8% of the, uh, salary, uh, cap. Uh, and there's four additional years left on Johansson's contract and five additional years left on Duchesne's. Um, Duchesne is, as we said, 30. Uh, this is, I mean, if he gets the next contract in the NHL, it's going to be at vet. At, it's going to be at like veteran minimum or like one mil, assuming he's well, still wants be, to show up at the rink every day. If he's thirty now, by the time his contract is over, he'll be getting a thirty-five plus contract. Yeah, which means one year tops, uh, two years tops. But there are some interesting provisions that come along with that because if you sign a thirty-five plus to two years, you have to and you get rid of them before the end of it, you actually have to pay them. That's the thing with when they signed, uh, when the Bruins signed Halak to a contract, they they only signed him to one year because uh, the extra year kicks in some kind of protection yeah. for the player. But uh, I think that you can come closer to making a hockey trade for Johansson. Yes, um, I completely agree. Because realistically, I still think that Johansson could be a useful all-around player elsewhere. Um, I hate to always I, bring it back to the Bruins, but if Krejci doesn't come back next year and they can get Nashville to eat two and a half to three million of this contract for a couple of years. David Poyle is not Kevin Adams, but yes. Um, <laughs> I, I would be willing to try it out for at least a year or two because at five million, if you have to move them again, or five and a half million, if you have to move them again, and you need to keep a million of that for three more years. Oh, that's I agree. a whole lot. I, I agree. Maybe, uh, maybe he ends up back in Columbus since uh, since Seth Jones has decided that he's not going to sign before he hits free agency. Okay. I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't have a problem Probably with him bringing you. I, I, I don't have a problem with him bringing Johansson here. The comment about David Poyle, not, I mean, he's not, Sweeney is not going to get David Poyle to bite the way he got Kevin Adams to bite with the Taylor Hall deal. So, well, Kevin Adams had no choice. Taylor, uh, I, I, as far as not. I know, Taylor Hall had nixed at least one other deal. Well, we talked uh, about last week, yeah. To get out of to get out of Buffalo. Um, I think that at this point, unless you're actually trading him to like Detroit or another bottom feeder, I think Johansson is going to say. Yeah, wherever. Although he doesn't have any no, a no movement clause, yeah, or no trade clause, so he doesn't really get a say. Uh, actually, Detroit might not actually be the worst option if they really if they really want to move up this year or next year. Um, yes, they'd have to make some movement, but they don't have much of a roster for next year. Uh, they have nine players signed and only 48 uh, and only 33 million in cap hit. Um, if they got some additional assets for taking Johansson, where they have two first rounders and three second rounders and two second round and two uh, third and two fourth and two fifth rounders this year, uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, plus two second rounders and three fourth rounders next year. Um, they might crawl back towards the playoffs within the next two and a half years or next two, three seasons. Uh, Cause they only have Larson Nielsen uh, panic, Nemesnikov, uh, Zadina uh, for forward signed for next year. Okay. That's a whole lot of work to do on that Detroit roster. Um, admittedly, there's a lot of, do we really need to keep them um, going on with that roster? Cause Darren Helm, uh, he's a UFA and uh, probably not going to get resigned and their defense. They have three guys signed for next year. The Kaiser Stetcher and new power. Um, and then four UFAs, Christian juice. Uh, he has, uh, arbitration rights. And then Chalosky, who they'll definitely get resigned. Um, and then Lidstrom and Hronik. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, Yeiserman's going to be busy this summer. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a good segue, but, uh, he might, he's going to have a lot of work to do. And according to the draft lottery results, he kind of got hosed again this year, like last year. Um, they weren't the worst team in the league and lost the number one spot this year, but they were what top bottom three. And yet the Red Wings are going to be picking sixth. So uh, the draft lottery giveth and the draft lottery taketh away, I guess. <laughs> okay, given what we what little we have heard about this draft lottery, mm-hmm. is it really that big a deal? It was very difficult to find actual results. I mean, if, if you look at the link that I have for the results, it's actually from an SB Nation yes. post for Colorado Rockies. And the Colorado Rockies aren't going to be picking any higher than 28th. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Are are there any, any generational players being talked about in this draft? Not really. I mean, they got, I mean, I Owen Power is. Owen I Power, haven't heard anything Quinn. about this draft. They're making big. They are making huge deals about it, but they haven't made a huge deal about any players since the whole Kako versus Capo, yeah, or Capo Kako versus uh, Jake uh, Jake Hughes, Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes. And, and there is, of course, another Hughes in this draft. Uh, yeah, Luke, who is currently listed as the fourth uh, uh, fourth among North American skaters. Um, by uh, the NHL uh, central ratings, uh, I I don't know that there's. I think this is going to be a really really flat draft. I think that there's probably not going to be as big a difference between number one and number ten, or number five and number twenty five as there usually is. Like I just. Everything I've seen about this draft. I have to delve uh, a little deeper in, but yeah, I, I kind of have the same feeling based on the fact that there's not a lot of um, anything. Yeah. Anything I mean, at all. 
Yeah. I always start worrying about a draft when the top ranked players uh, for North America are all defensemen <laughs> or majority defensemen. Okay. Not because it necessarily means they're bad that, or that it's a bad draft and none of the guys are ever going to play in the NHL, but because it means that star power is lacking. Um, first overall, uh, Owen power defenseman, you've got two centers. One of whom is huge for, a draft eligible Mason McTavish is six one and two oh seven. Owen Power is six six and two thirteen. Plays for Michigan. For a six six two thirteen guy to be at the top of the draft, um, he's a good I, player. What I've seen, he's a good player. But here's my worry: every single time I've heard of a six 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 five, anyone north of six four player being talked about it's good feet for a big guy or his feet are holding him back or only average skater for if that's whatever the percent whatever the reality is if you have a six six guy who's being who's been pushed to the top of the rankings even over a guy with what is referred to way too often as pedigree uh, like Luke Hughes, whose brothers were both drafted recently and who are really highly thought of uh, even after the transition uh, into the NHL, um, is if a guy that big is at the top, it tells me that a lot of these smaller guys probably aren't all that good on their feet. <laughs> I I really think you're looking at like a draft of middle six players, like full of middle six players at best. So only 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 two of the top ten prospects based on future considerations, only two of the top ten are under six feet. William and, Eklund is five ten and at number ten Fabian Lysel is five eleven. All the other uh, players are six feet or higher. Um which I, I really would I, I'll have to go back and compare it to some of the previous drafts, but that's again unusual. This is a big heavy draft which isn't really i mean which isn't necessarily the way the league is played right now are there big guys yes were most of them 6'4 and 198 pounds at 18 like Simon Edmondson um <laughs> probably no or Samu uh Tumala Tumala I know I butchered that um I butcher a lot of names, but I try it anyway. I butcher. <laughs> hey, there's a goalie in the top ten. Uh, I mean, Florian Elias is the first guy I've seen. He's uh, looking at the again at the NHL European ranks. He's five eight. He's the first guy under five ten, and he's way down at. Where is he? He's into the teens or 20s. What's the last name? Elias? I can't even find it. Um, no, uh, let's see. Florian <laughs> Elias, 39th, 5'8". He's out of Mannheim, Germany. Um, and given, you know, given the way that Germany has turned itself into a hockey power, 
I got to think this guy is going to go in the second uh, easily in the second round and someone's going to get a pretty nice piece out of it. Uh, cause he played this year at the world championships, uh, five games, four goals, five assists, nine point <laughs> total and four, uh, four, um, four penalty line. minutes. Future considerations doesn't even have a rank on him. Okay, let's go way out on a limb. <laughs> way out on a limb. The Boston Bruins are going to draft this guy. Because he's 5'8 and 170 or because he's a center? <laughs> yes, both. What about the guy right above him alphabetically, Blake Eastman, right winger, 6'4", 187 pounds? <laughs> but he's a right winger, so they'll never pick him. Doesn't nope. <laughs> Just nope. Hey, there's some interesting last names that I'm trying to figure out whether they're related to other people. There's a Cole Dubinsky. There's a Colton Doc. I'm trying to figure out if he's related to Kirby or not. I think he is. But anyway, so I, yeah, I know. Just the draft results seem to come into play when you mentioned Detroit. I, I wasn't actually trying to make a huge story out of it. It is something that I had to dig deep just to find the results of the draft lottery. So, yeah, that should that alone should tell you how hard, how much it matters. And the, here's the thing. Most years you hear about the draft lottery for like weeks and months and you know what it is and when they're going to do it. I didn't even know what it was this year. They did it after it was like. They, they did, did it like after a playoff game or something, something. like yeah. that. And it was like, it's kind of like them fun. announcing. It's kind of like them announcing finalists the on the days of, uh, you know, awards finalists on the days of playoff games. It's like nobody knows who the finalists are because you don't, they're kind of lost in the shuffle. <laughs> uh, now we saw him last year playing really, really well uh, in the pretend offs. Um, and even the year before going back to 1819, um, the Islanders have a pair of top defensemen who are actually probably pretty legitimately top defensemen. Uh, and yes, yes, Pelican Pollock. Um, and I have to wonder if, uh, Adam Pellick isn't going to get an offer sheet this summer. He's an RFA. He will be an RFA um, left defenseman. Okay. Current contract is for 1.6 per year. Oh, here it is. Okay. Arbitration eligible. Oh. 26 years old. So he gets a raise to what? Four and a half? Based on the way they're talking about him, more he's there. There's not going to be a bridge contract here in a flat caps in a flat cap era where it might be flat, not only next next season, but the season after. Uh, given the way fans are returning to the buildings, uh, revenue should be normal next year. You think so? Yes. I mean, I mean, yes, they are flocking back, but that's. Because there has been nothing to do for a year 
Yes, and you also have a new franchise. You also have a new franchise that adds to the total revenue. These people have been, this and the the debut of the Kraken has been pushed back, I believe, twice. They were supposed to come in about a year or two years right after uh, Vegas. It's now almost four years. It's now four years or five. They had the delay because of the arena. There was a delay because I think I honestly think of finance um, and then the uh, na- international health concern. All right. Um, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just I, I'm just thinking that you know, I don't, it might take a little longer than people are. I mean, it's a personal opinion. It's not like I read it all over the news or anything. It's a personal opinion. I just think that it's going to take them a little longer to recover than. It okay, might the owners seem. will try and milk it for as much as as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, to keep salaries down. Um, but realistically, I th- I genuinely think we'll see. Uh, at full, I think we'll see full attendance back to normal uh, by the end of by the end of this calendar year. Um, depending on when the season starts, that may mean there's uh, it, it may impact it a little bit, but I don't think you're going to see a 20 percent drop in gate. Um, now, how much that impacts or where the impact will be on concessions, both food and drink and, or, um, t-shirts and, uh, jerseys and stuff like that. Different question. Um, but I think just particularly if Vegas manages to snatch some recognizable players, either through trade or through the draft lottery, uh, not Vegas, uh, Seattle. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to drive things as well. And while it's hugely unlikely, hugely unlikely, yeah, if Alex Ovechkin actually lands someplace in the NHL other than Washington, <laughs> that right there is a six-digit number of jerseys sold. Yeah, he's not going anywhere, but nice of you to mention it. But just literally just for a moment – Imagine if he somehow landed in Boston or New York or L.A. If they landed him in a top three market, wow. It would it would break the supply chain. Yes, Legitimately land, break the supply chain. If you could land him in a top three market or an original six market, because I don't know if Boston is a top three market, but because you got New York, you got L.A. Chicago. In Chicago, so Boston would be like fourth or fifth. Even even a place like Dallas, where it's a, there's a huge population. I don't know. I, mean, I still Dallas think that. I still think they win. Go ahead. I, I well, I think Dallas is a better hockey market than L.A. Sorry. Okay. No, that's Sorry. fine. Um, Sorry. Sorry to who? L.A. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I, I legitimately think you're going to sell more jerseys for Alex Ovechkin in Dallas than you are in Southern California. Okay, sort of. I don't know that I agree, but I'll go it's with okay, it. It's okay. You're wrong. Well, you were wrong earlier, so I guess I can be this time. Sure. Uh-huh. 
My question is, bringing it back to Pelek and Pulak, does Pelek get a $5 million per deal like Pulak has, or are they going to give Pelek an eight-year $60 million contract or eight-year $70 million or something? I mean, eight years as a 20 he'll, – he'll turn 27 this summer. That only takes him to 33. That's a reasonable deal. Um, if I mean, if you if you genuinely think he's worth it, a seven million dollar contract to lock up one side, uh, uh, half of your top pairing for the next most of a decade. Uh, for me, as a general manager, having watched Pelic play in the regular season the last two three years and the postseason, uh, that's one of the easiest deals I have to sign in my life. Because then next, at the end of next season, they have to deal with the other side and Ryan Pulock, and he's already making five. So you got to give him a significant raise. He's going to be probably twenty-seven at the time, pushing twenty-eight. You're going to give him another nine million dollars per, and your top pairing, your top defense pair is making seventeen, eighteen million dollars a year. That's still way less than Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid or the three-headed monster in, in in Toronto. And these guys are actually contributing at both ends of the ice. Well, Dreisaitl and McDavid, is, uh, that was a mistake made by a prior GM who I realized that you had to pay them something, but... When you're paying 25% of your salary to two players on your roster, that's crazy. Right. Uh, let's see. Pollock turns – yeah, his, he'll turn 27 this October. Um, he was also – I believe they were both – yeah, Pollock was drafted for uh, 15th in 2013. Mm-hmm. And Pollock was drafted – oh, wow. He was drafted 65th. In 2012. So when, when so when you say Pelek's going to get an offer sheet, you mean from another team other than the He might actually Islanders. get an offer sheet from someone other than the Islanders if he makes it to free agency. And it, say you're Detroit and you decide to make that offer sheet because they have all the they have all the picks they need. What's the return on him if you if you if you sign him to because he's not RFA so he, obviously you have to give something back to the Islanders. What's the re, what's the return for him? Um, One draft pick, two draft picks. Oh, it's multiple draft picks. But uh, if you're a place that doesn't get uh, free agents mm-hmm. and you can still get him to sign, you need to go for it. Uh, I will have to look that up because I do not remember. And, and yeah, I don't know what the there's I a thought stagger. I had the, there's a stagger to it. It's based on I think money and it's it's money and years. So yeah, if they don't have if they don't have to give up more, because yes, Detroit has a boatload of picks this year. Especially yeah, well they got two five first three rounds. They got seven picks, four rounds, nine picks. Oh my goodness, yeah. If you have to give up a first-round pick this year, next year, and that's it, 
I'd consider it. If it's three or four first round picks, then I'd probably shy away. Okay. So if we go with, assume it's a seven million, a seven and a half million dollar contract. Okay. And I, I tend to think that the Islanders would probably match that particularly where they're going into their new arena and don't want a, a dip. Um, one first round, one second round and a third round pick. Um, that's a really? reasonable price. Okay. It's, it's when you hit 8.726 or higher that it goes up to two firsts, a second, a third. Wow. Yeah, I'd pay it then. Shit. And that's all the way up to almost 11 million. When you hit 10.9 and change, that's when you hit four first round picks. Wow. Okay. No, definitely not paying it. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone in the world believes he's going to get a a $10 million offer sheet from anyone or $11 million offer sheet annually from, uh, from elsewhere. I'm not, I, I, I think that this conversation is somewhat moot only because yes, I do believe that he is going to get a deal from the Islanders just because they need to keep that consistency at the blue line. You're right. They're going into a new building. You don't want to take a step backwards. You want to make the playoffs again. You want to try and make a deep run again. So I don't see him going anywhere else, but that's not to say, I mean, there are GMs like Mark Bergeron out there who are willing to actually throw an offer sheet at Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> I mean, that was a bold move by Mark Bergeron. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's possible that he could get them, but I don't think he's going anywhere unless it's a ridiculous offer and, is it still Lamorello in charge over there? I, I don't have. I see. I think. I think eight million might be the magic number there because we know Lamorello doesn't like to overpay. Oh, absolutely no, he doesn't. I completely agree with that too. So yes, if somebody offers him eight and a half per for five years, six years. Yeah, Lamorello and Trotz are uh, at the helm. What Lamorello might do at that point is say, instead of the offer sheet, let's just trade him. That way you can get the eighth year. And then he's protecting, he's doing a little bit of protecting of his roster by saying, yep, we didn't lose him to an offer sheet. We just traded him. Okay. Uh, it's a fig leaf, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it it would still be I mean, a statement. And the question, the only the only answering you'd have to do is to the fan base, which could be intriguing. I mean, Cap Friendly right now has twenty two forwards on the on the uh, Islanders roster, which really? we know is nothing like real, but nothing because real. it's the playoffs. Uh, that's there's no limit to roster size. Um, anything else we really wanted to cover? Uh, you had one thing left on on the board here. Um, local product Connor Toms commits to the Greyhounds. He's from South Saint Mar- Sault Ste. Marie. 
Oh, right. Um, continuing to cover every level of hockey all the time. Um, I was, uh, I was watching, uh, watching the OHL, uh, draft and Connor Tom's, uh, profile popped up. Uh, interesting thing about, or at five eleven and 160 pounds at like 15, mm-hmm. this kid could be mm, pretty big. Uh, I mean, even, even if he doesn't grow another inch in height, uh, by the time he turns 18, 19 and his draft and his NHL draft eligible, he only has to add, you know, the normal amount of mass, uh, like not even normal athletic athlete amount of mass to be to hit like an effective level for the NHL. Yeah. Um, defenseman. So he's, uh, and I looked in, I looked around, saw some interesting stuff like this year for the Sioux Thunderbirds, 18 points in 19 games. Um, wow. That's not bad. No. Um, he's for a blue just liner, un- that's not bad at all. <laughs> he's just under a point per game in the playoffs, uh, in his last two appearances. Um, uh, fairly interesting kid. Um, I think we're g- probably going to see him talked about in the, uh, years upcoming. I think he'll, he's, let's see, he is, oh, he's age 17. I thought he was older than that, but he was younger than that. But so he's maybe two years away from hitting uh, NHL draft eligible. Uh, not saying he's going to be a first round pick, but uh, I I think we could see his name uh, called sometime in the next two years. And yes, yes, his dad was also a hockey player, Jeff Toms. Um, yep. And let's see, Jeff also played for the Sioux and then was uh, one of looks like he had to have been one of the inaugural uh, Tampa Bay lightning um, because he played back in the 95, 96 season. Um, how many NHL games did he get into? Cause he played right through 2002, 2003. Uh, huh. I thought I knew I'd remember. I knew I'd seen the name before cause Tom's isn't that common a last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone worth watching. And who knows? He might be coming to a team near you. Jeff Toms, uh, I have 236 one. NHL games. There we go. I have one more congratulations to throw out before we sign off. Go ahead. And I only discovered it today because of looking at something that you posted on our on our storyboard. A person, a, a a young player drafted. 16 years old, drafted 267th overall by the Sonia Sting in the OHL draft. A young lady by the name of Taya Curry, T-A-Y-A, last name Curry. 5'7", born January 2005. From what I'm reading about her, she's one of the top one of the alliance hockey's top goaltenders heralded by ohl scouts for athleticism uh she played with the elgin middlesex chiefs triple a boys team since she was in minor atoms whatever 
level that yes. is. I, I think it's – I know that we've seen women in the NHL before. We have we had men on Rome who was with the Tampa Bay organization, first, first woman to play in an NHL game. It was preseason, but she was on the roster for the regular season for a short period of time. She was called up. I don't believe she ever got into an actual NHL regular season game, however. It's just – this is good for hockey it's gonna again anything that you can do good that's gonna bring good attention to the game of hockey this is it and yeah she was drafted 267th overall and they say that she deserved it hey congratulations to her I hope she succeeds in the OHL and moves on from there or wherever she plays hockey next yeah um one thing, uh, since we have a couple of minutes, um, one thing that I've been wanting to talk about for the last two weeks, no, Charlie no. Coyle. Watching Charlie Coyle. Better or worse than when he first got here? <laughs> different. Uh, partly because he has different line mates. And I, gonna, I think. Yeah. But watching Charlie Coyle protect the puck is absolutely fascinating. Because I think it may be his most remarkable skill. And in that category, I think he's probably elite at it. When you watch him use his body and angle his body upright and over the stick and like most of his body weight over his skates to protect the puck. That's one thing. Most players aren't getting around it. They're not they're not going to run him over. And he does really well protecting it. When he gets his weight well off the center line of his skates, forget about it. Like the last goal that he scored, he's leaning. He's probably 20 percent, 20 degrees off of uh, off of the center line of his skates, Mm -hmm. leaned way over. And he just reaches down, scoops the puck off the ice into the net and there was no way to get anywhere near that puck without taking a penalty. And given the position of the puck, because he kept it largely in line with where his head was off of the line of his skates, there yeah. was a good chance you were going to catch a double minor for high sticking him. Um, Most likely. Yeah, you could, I could see that. For those who are newer to hockey and just watching, watch Charlie Coyle on the ice. He is a really, really fascinating player to just watch in isolation with how he protects the puck. Um, I'm not, I'm not gassing him up to say that when I say that I genuinely think he's uh, he's a lead at puck protection because he's not super fast. He's a bigger guy, but he's not huge. Um, it's not like he's got these elbows that are constantly flying into people. Mm-hmm. Um, he just holds on to the puck and dares you to take it away from him. And if there's only one player trying to cover him, probably not happening. Um, even when it's two, not easy. Be inclined to agree. I think that he's, I think he's phenomenal at puck protection. Uh, he does spend a lot of time against the boards when he's out there on the ice in the offensive zone. He's not afraid to go in there. 
he can hang on to the puck in a crowd in crowded situations and yes he forces other players to take penalties that they might not take if somebody else is handling the puck and his last goal was what the first one scored in game three yeah yeah and that was a pretty goal i like charlie coyle you're right he is different from i mean clearly he's got i in my opinion he's got better line mates here than he had in minnesota and I'm not saying that Minnesota's a bad team. I did not say that. I just said that I think his current line mates here are a little bit better or a little bit better suited to his style of play. And he's had to do a little bit of adapting when he got here as well. He's he's played a lot of center. He's played more wing. Uh, he's moved up and down, second line, third line. He's been with Krejci. I mean... He's had to be a lot more versatile here, I think. Uh, yes. Um, it would be interesting to see him get, uh, well, slightly <clears throat> better line mates here. Um, or at least players who didn't have their head up their backside. Uh, I'm not as down on Jake uh, DeBrusque as other people are. Uh, I'm not down I'm not, on him, but... I wasn't talking about you. It's not all about you. I didn't say it was me. Uh, although a certain uh, <clears throat> diminutive uh, young lady that we both know, who you're very good friends with, uh, seemed to be all over him and the team last night. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Your bestie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, uh, I believe that's everything we have on the board this week. That is and a everything bit on more. the board. Uh, next week, obviously, we'll be talking about some of these series uh, winding down um, the uh, the conference or actually it's not even conference finals, but the third round and uh, kind of start looking at the awards and free agency. Uh, Pellock, we talked a little bit about this week. Uh, I'm going to talk about some UFAs uh, some more next week. Uh, have a great, great week, everyone. Enjoy the hockey. And you know how to find us, where to find us. We love, love, love checking our mailbag. Take care. <laughs>